Blue Tiger Revenge, brought to you by Narpig. Hit the music. back for another episode of the megafauna of comic book podcasts the intellectual dark web That's of right. comic book podcasts blue tiger revenge because for the culture that inspires comics and the comics that inspire culture i am comic book creator tad galusha and with me is the heart of the revenge crew the big man himself, the king of beards. You love him. I love him. We all know him. Big Brian Bales. What's happening? So if I'm the heart of revenge, that means I'm the most vindictive too, right? Oh, uh, yeah. Sweet. I guess. Yeah. Are, I, you know what? I'm yeah. not, though. But I'm not. I would, I'm the vindictive, yeah. aren't I? Yeah. I'm the one that's like, you. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that look you gave me 20 years ago. That's right. You're on the no-fly list. I don't forget. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. I'm probably a little too sensitive. I probably should probably change my ways. But, uh, hey, it's been a hot minute, man. I know. Life life has happened. It sure Uh, has. Yeah. Water heaters, brain aneurysms, this, that, grandmas. Yep. uh, um, Yep. Lots of stuff. We don't need to go into details, but both of us have been just kind of just bobbing and weaving, uh, ro- playing rope-a-dope with life. Yeah. Uh, it, it, yeah. 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 Which is weird because I'm simultaneously the one getting punched and I'm the dope as well. So <laughs> I don't know. Well, I mean, you know, you're familiar with the term rope-a-dope, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's Muhammad Ali, how he beat. Uh, yeah. He lets uh, the dude. Uh, punch himself out yeah. yeah yeah what's his name big guy George Sells Foreman for, the lean yeah, Foreman. mean fat grilling machine man himself that's right yeah yeah rumble in the jungle I think that was their big fight probably something like that I can't remember anyways way before our time I'm yeah. just playing armchair historian over here how you doing man it's been uh, like like we said it's yeah. been a minute no I'm good I'm doing good uh you know, I had a couple of uh, a couple of cool things happen uh, yesterday. Went out, uh, went out and bought a camper. Little pop up, little pop up camper. And uh, wait, 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 no. Pop up tiger tour. That's, That's right. There we yeah. go. We can just set up in a random Walmart. Here we are. <laughs> How fucking rad would that be, though? That would actually be kind of fun. That would be pretty cool. Hey, come in our trailer. It's totally legit. <laughs> They won't let us in any conventions, but we're out. We're outside, uh, Anaheim convention, uh, interviewing people off the street. Here we go. There that it is. Yeah, that I was, love it. Yeah, yeah. So we got that, and uh, that turned into quite the adventure, um, because I had like the wrong tow hitch, and then you know from the wrong tow hitch to the wrong ball, and then the wrong wiring piece so we were we were like 
it was like an all-day thing because we had to get uh, a last-minute install so that way the lighting could connect. So it was oh, wow. uh, it was quite the adventure yesterday, but uh, you know it'll be fun. Um, we've got like seven. I, I went on today and I I uh, reserved uh, like seven different camping trips throughout the rest of the summer or for the oh, summertime. That's, so that's great, man. That's yeah, great. So that's gonna be a ton of fun. Um, yeah. 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 Uh, I man, yeah, some of my fondest memories are for camping. Yeah, like, it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be fun. Yeah. And um, with that pop up camper, you like really you don't you guys can set it up at the house and then it's good to go all year round. You know what I mean? Like pretty much, ready? yeah. Oh. So we still need to there's some stuff, uh like we got it really good price. Um it's all it's like over thirty years old. It's like from ninety one, but it's it's the only one that I've seen that's like super, super lightweight. It's like under nine hundred pounds. So yeah. our little our little, it with the Subi, right? Our little Rav Four, yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, but uh, you know, we gotta obviously you want to deep clean it and uh, yeah, you know, <laughs> do 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 some cleaning, do do some just general cleanup stuff, and uh, you know, really get it ready, get it ready to go. So we got our first trip. Uh, so let me ask you this. Yeah, what'd you name it? We haven't named we haven't named it yet. Well, you gotta name it. That's I feel like, yeah, I know, but I feel like the name will come. You know, like it, 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 it names that's itself. True. You know, yeah, that's Some, true. Kind, kind of like when you get a cat or a dog, right? That first week, you're like, well, what should we name it? You don't ever really have one, and it seems like the name usually fits the personality, and exactly. then it dictates kind of, kind of, I would argue, dictates the course of uh, your ownership or your relationship with that pet. I would agree. I would agree, but yeah, yeah. So this is just a great first time. We've never we've never owned anything like this before. Like we bought a tent yeah. two years ago, and then you know we didn't even end up using it. So I've got like a brand new tent that has never been used, just sitting in my garage now, and it's gonna wow. continue to collect dust. But I'll just let friends use it if they want to come camp with us, and it'll be fun. Yeah, I'm excited. So let me ask. So enough with the domestics, man. Okay. There was something big that happened while yes. while we were away, yeah. and I'd be I, I I would be not doing my duties as a blue tiger if we didn't bring up the new Batman film, right? Yeah, yeah, I saw it opening yeah. night. Of course you did. Of, of course, course I you did. did. I I obviously I'm still several big superhero films behind every the curve, but that's yeah. fine. So. Um, I'm sure we'll probably talk about it on because uh, we do have some we have some guests we today. Do. It's been a hot minute since probably what a month since our last guest. I think so. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, but uh, we'll probably talk a little bit about it on there. But uh, overall, give me your uh, give me your, your give me your feels of it. Okay, so this might this might bring some controversy. We might get some hate mail. Uh, uh, you, not me. Well. <laughs> That's fine. I'll take it. I give it. I give it three and a half out of five beards. Wow, that's a low score. Lot. I. Well, I let, that might be the lowest score I've seen so far. Let me let me back it up. Uh, <laughs> Let's back the rig up. No, I'm saying I will back up my statement. I'll back up my claim. Um, oh, okay. I enjoyed a lot about the movie. I thought all the performances were great. Um, 
the setting was great. Um, I thought the you know all of like the detective gadgets were really cool. The detective story, in my opinion, was pretty weak. Um, As it kind of is, you know what I mean with Batman, like well. you know, he didn't really solve anything. The only thing he solved was what the Riddler allowed him to find. So you're not really he solved, he solved vengeance. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and it was like you know they went they went the grounded, realistic uh, route, which I you know anybody who listens to the show knows that. I don't. I didn't want that. I don't like that. I like like it's a comic book movie. Let's let him be. Let's let him be a comic book character. Not everything needs to be grounded in reality. But then we, at the same we had. Oh yeah, go ahead. Oh, say at the same time, you ground the movie in reality. But then you yeah. have a scene where you know he's he gets his wingsuit right. It's like a legit wingsuit because they're like realism. He can't just yeah. glide from his cape like you know like he does in the video games. That's fucking awesome. Uh, or even in the Nolan Batman movies, he they had that great gliding sequence because yeah, of those, those microfibers. Those, those I know. Uh, uh, wow, wow. <laughs> Zack Snyder should make every movie ever. That Keaton forever, baby. Keaton forever. <laughs> there we go. First of all, okay. um, it, so you had the scene with the wingsuit because it's real. This is real yeah. Batman. And then as he's gliding, because he's also like a newer Batman, he runs into a bus. Then a bridge overpass, then the ground, and just gets up. It's fine, you know. He doesn't have a broken neck, so it's like, yeah, pick w- which is it? Are we going realistic or are we going ridiculous? You know? Yeah. You know, we had a, after you saw the movie, we the other night we had a big conversation, and it started to kind of like you were telling me about the Batman movie, but it really like morphed into this. Um, it's interesting how certain characters. It seems like the general public wants them grounded in reality. Sure. And then other characters, if it they want it grounded the other way. Like, they want it as fantastical and as crazy as possible. You know yeah. what I mean? And, like, I don't know. Like, I feel like... Well, let me say what I did love about it, though. That fucking Batmobile, yeah. the Batmobile chase scene was amazing. It was phenomenal. Oh, cool. It was really okay. great. Although, he probably killed about ten people in that car chase scene. Well, you that's know. what... That's what Batman does. Like yeah. we don't ever see the collateral damage, which is That's like any superhero movie. You don't see it. Yeah, um, yeah, pretty much. But I did love that. So the chase scene was great. And then, but people have this thing where Batman movies. It's like they think because a movie has to be like dark and gritty means it has to be grounded in realism. Like you could make a dark, gritty Batman movie where that's not grounded in realism you know what i mean yeah it can still be dark you know alien well, was a dark movie that movie was not grounded in realism you know um yeah but i, I don't know if i would necessarily i i don't disagree with it but i wouldn't full-heartedly agree i think it would be it's a tricky balance sure. with any superhero movie like um especially batman because if you have I think I think people because he doesn't have any superpowers, I think that's where you get the like, well, what would it look like if a guy could really do this? And so I think that's why so many people like it when it's based in reality. Sure. You know what I mean? When it's grounded because it's like it's just like you put Batman in there with other characters 
and it starts getting a little goofy. It's that's not, what I like, though. I like. It. I know, I know, but like you know, like the easiest example would be like Batman versus Superman. The general public looks at it and goes, "Shut the fuck up, man! Get that kid out of here!" Sure, sure. Because it's ridiculous. Like if you have a general knowledge and you're not like a massive like Dark Knight fan or something, uh, you're just gonna look at that and go, "Like, how would that even work? It's not even." The guy moves faster than bullets. It's not even a one-second movie. Like the fight's boom, done. Right. And that's, I just, you, you know, know, I like the idea of it being where he's the reason he can compete with those guys is because he's the smartest guy in the room. He's the most well-prepared guy in the room. Where, yeah. You know, um, but, but listen, this isn't to say that I didn't enjoy the movie. I did. Sure. I thought it was a good movie. Um, yeah. Is it my favorite Batman movie? No. Well, no. Do I you think know it's, what your favorite Batman movie is? It's Batman. 89, 89 baby. Eight, 89. Keaton. Yeah. Keaton forever. Keaton, Nicholson. You can't touch it. It's you untouchable. Can't. Don't don't even try. I'm more of an Adam West guy myself. Yeah. Well, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> that rubber shark scene, man. You can't beat it. No, you can't. You can't you beat can't. it. Um But yeah, that's that's really you Let know. me ask you this then. Would you want to see more Batman movies with Pattinson? I thought Pattinson was great. Yeah. Yeah. I thought Pattinson was a great Batman. Uh, we didn't. He was kind of a weird Bruce Wayne. Um, Boy, I mean, he'd be. And, if it's grounded in reality, like you say it is, I imagine they're like, well, Bruce Wayne would be a fucking weirdo. <laughs> yeah. And I get it. I get why they did it. You know, he, you know, they, he hasn't necessarily crafted that Playboy persona yet. Um, so, Does he enjoy being Batman? Because I know, yes. like, that's when sometimes people like the whole like Frank Miller. What was that Frank Miller Jim Lee run that they did a while back? Oh, All Star Batman and Robin. Oh God. Yeah, a lot of people like that because he's Batman. Like he's just like I'm the goddamn Batman. Yeah. Yeah. He's 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 a like a narcissistic sociopath in a sense. Yeah. Which, you know, like some people. I remember when that book came out, a lot of people didn't like that because they thought it was too. I mean, it was kind of a ridiculous. It book. It was ridiculous. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, great. It, it looked great. Yeah, the, the writing wasn't exactly like my favorite. It's not my favorite Frank Miller thing. I'll just say it. Agreed. Like that. Agreed. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to say it's bad because you sure. know whatever. Because I don't think it's bad. But um, yeah, no, it, it's interesting. Um, yeah, you know, like we're saying, like everybody has their own different like idea of what a character should be. Yeah, and it's interesting seeing this was Gen you know, Z's Batman, hundred percent. Well, well, you sent me that like video. Uh, it was like, I think, what was it like a TikTok or something? Yeah, or some yeah. guy explaining like what's wrong with this Batman, why this Batman's the best. And I, I had a response that was a little. Um, well, no, he was talking about why he doesn't like the Nolan Batman movies. Right, but but he at one point he referenced like he was starting to to reference the source material, like well, and this, and that was kind of like the the foundation of his justifications, and. Where that kind of fell, I felt that fell apart was that like yeah, but the source of materials dictated solely by who happens to be writing Agreed. which arc of Batman. Yeah. So you can't say it's based on this because there's so at this point there's hundreds of Batman stories. Different writers took different approaches. Yeah. Like we just said, there's you know there's the Frank Miller Batman, different iterations of that. There's you know. Keep going. The list keeps yeah, going. You've got sure the Jeff Loeb, Tim Sale, Batman. You've got Jim Grant Lee. Morrison. Yeah, yeah. Grant Morrison. Just, I mean, it just keeps going, and, and so like a character is always going to be like they're gonna. Sometimes they're gonna make the character stronger, weaker, 
uh, both in physicality and in like Agreed. character itself. So it's one of those where it's like, I always, whenever I hear people talk, well, the source material is like, shut the fuck up. The source material is all over the goddamn place. Yeah. There's so many, you can't use that. It's like whenever anybody touches a, 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 a like a licensed character, their interpretation is going to be solely based off like how they envision the character. And some people are going to like it. Some people are going to hate it. Sure. You know? You I will know, just say it was a good movie. I enjoyed it. Wasn't necessarily for me. Um, right. I will, right. you know, when they make a sequel, hey, I'll be happy. I'm going to go see it, you know. Um, but really, Ooh. I just think I, I really wanted a Batman. I really wanted the Bat. I wanted Ben Affleck's Batman movie. I wanted a movie connected <laughs> to, like, the DC universe that has, like, that brings in, like, you know, characters from, from sure. the universe and have it very much be a shared thing. I just... I get tired of it. I get tired of the well. Batman has to be its own universe. I don't like that. I don't think it does. I think um, I, I, now this is just food for thought. I think instead of trying to mimic what Marvel's done with their thing, why not make all all the characters just standalones, their own universes? It'd be very different and unique from what everyone expects. It and would be. It, it would, would take be. the it would take the cuffs off. It would. There wouldn't be the limitations of trying to tie everything together. You know sure. what I mean? Like you could just do whatever you wanted with characters. Sure. But uh, our guests are ready to rock. Let's it do it. Is time. So let's take a quick break and we'll Bring be them back. In. Yeah. Check one two. We're back. We're back with with two guests this time. Two guests from one project. Right now, it's live on Kickstarter. Ancient Futures. We're with here with writer Stephen White and an artist who I happen to be fairly uh, accustomed with, Aaron McConnell. How's it going? Man? What's up, guys? Hey, hey, Brian, thanks hey, for having us on. Yeah, yeah. Well, great to welcome, be here. Welcome to the Tiger Dan. That's right. Well, it's digital. I have to ask: Is Tiger? Have you uh, revealed what Tiger Milk is a reference to? It's 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 like it's the force, this. man. It's everything of living that connects it connects to everything that's living. You know, that's way nice. Metachlorians. Yeah, yeah. Essentially, I was just gonna say it's like secret sauce. You don't. How do you get the milk from the tiger? How is that? How do you get that? Milk? Well, sir, that well, is a trade secret. That's actually copyrighted. Well, <laughs> I can't tell you. Um, I have a weird picture in my mind. I just don't see it working. I don't. I don't know. Well, Stephen, I mean, uh, tigers have nipples. You can milk anything with nipples. That, that's true, <laughs> but it, but not with fangs. I mean, my ex well, you get tough, you got. You know? It's all about speed. You got to be fast. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> oh man, I Peta is just going to send us some real. Oh Nasty goodness. messages now. Cancel culture. Stay That's strong, well. Brian. Stay mm -hmm. strong. Right. So you guys have uh, a phenomenal Kickstarter going for uh, a comic. Is it? I'm guessing comic series, right? Or is it just the standalone novel. for a graphic yeah, novel? This is a part one. Part, yeah. one. part one. And yeah. it it was funded incredibly fast, right? Like you guys hit your goals like immediately. It seemed like. Yeah, we were really excited. Yeah, right, three days, I think. Three days, yeah. Awesome. Okay, cool. All right, so it's called Ancient Futures, and I could sit here and talk about like what it says on the Kickstarter, but 
why have it secondhand? Right. When, give, yeah. give it to us, man. What is so, it? What's, what's, yeah. We've got the writer, Steven, here to tell you all about it. Yeah. Lay it <laughs> right. on us, man. <laughs> well, I was just told that writers are, are more confident in uh, telling these stories and promoting. So I'm, I will try to fulfill that. <laughs> That's right. Um, yeah. Ancient Futures is, is a graphic novel series, as you mentioned. But it started off and it's taken on many forms of media over the years. It's 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 a somewhat of a legend in my in my universe. Um, it started off as a short story, as a as a short fiction story that I wrote for an NPR contest. Oh, okay. and a friend of mine. I'm just going to go straight to the origin stories if that's yeah, all right. With yes, you. lay it on us. So I'm I'm driving this around the south side of Chicago, and a, a friend of mine calls me on the phone. Back when we used to call each other on cell phones, remember that? Yeah, mm-hmm. and he was like, "Why NPR is having a short fiction contest? You should uh, you should submit something." Click. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> so I, I'm driving around, and I just uh, start thinking of this idea, and I start off with these words. Driving the streets of Chicago in the dead of night is like a meditation for me. Cruise, turn, stop, repeat, drawing Nazca lines with my headlights, signaling alien astronauts land here. I like that. That's cool. I'm in. I'm in. So that was the, thank you guys. That was the start of this little fiction story that I wrote for NPR. Now I didn't, was not acknowledged in the contest or anything. I didn't win anything, but in the, in the writing of that story, I had come up with this character and and the name of the character was Valentino Cruz. So, so imagine just thinking about this story and, and you guys have published stuff and your writers. So maybe you've, you've had this thing where something sticks with you over and mm-hmm. just through the, it just stuck with me for years. And then, I started getting into, uh, started, you know, joining these creative circles and stuff. And I, I started doing spoken word and I started going to like open mics and stuff and just saying this story and people would really like it. Cause this guy's searching, he's back in Chicago to do a job. He's looking for this professor and he meets this professor, you know, and the professor is like the people in high places. What do they say about me? That your ethics are unsound. Do you think my ethics are unsound? What's your name? Valentino, Valentino Cruz. So I had, so this story of this character is going on. And then I started doing like multimedia things. I'd like, I'd say the, I'd be reciting this story and then I'd have pictures behind me and it just kind of took on this life. And then another kind of key, like trajectory character kind of stuff came on me with my uh, love for ancient history and, and, you know, uh, the, you know, ancient astronauts, ancient aliens, you know, um, the forbidden texts, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And I started getting into that. And I had another archetype that arose called this first ancient persona, this, uh, this ancient of days, you know, and, and, you know, the first ancient of her, I bring worlds into existence through the power of sound. Oh, I walk through catacombs of chromosomes wearing shades of ancient knowledge, tinted yellow and orange. My blood is color-coded by the science of the sun. Artist, king, warrior, magician, lover. My archetypes blend into one. So then I've, I've got this ancient thing going on, and then I've got this Valentino Cruz going on. So, so 
these things started to just come together. And then when the pandemic hit, I said, I want to, I'm going to do something with this. I got time. I got, I bought a onesie. I was on my couch, you know, work was called off. Yeah. And, <laughs> and uh, then I started writing in earnest this, this story of ancient futures and through chance and through luck, as I was trying to get more serious about it, I knew I was going to need a killer artist and I was struggling. I was doing all kinds of things, trying to find people. And then this friend of mine said, Hey, check this guy out. Um, and my friend Apollo had found Aaron stuff somehow. And uh, then I called, I tried to contact Aaron, you know, and he's like, well, I'm really busy and, you know, we'll see. And maybe my son can help because he's out, drop out of school. And uh, so he tried to push me off, but I was persistent. <laughs> and uh, I, I say this because Aaron says it didn't quite happen like that. Aaron, do you want to jump in now and say, say how you how did you bring ancient futures home with, with where we are now? Yeah, I, I got to know, like when you he- hear like what he just said, especially in the beginning, I'm guessing he probably said, it, you know, you have a PDF, you're reading it. Like, how do you visually contextualize that? Yeah. That, like, that's some, like, really interesting, heavy stuff. I'm hyped, man. Know? That, like, whew, yeah, I'm ready. Thanks, guys. I, I just wanted yeah. to give you a feeling for it and not just talk about it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's some of those uh, clips of him reciting the story um, on Instagram, are those still available? And the the story yeah, yeah, we highlights have maybe video clips and stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Um, yeah, you know, I'm maybe Tad can vouch for me here, but uh, you know, when I get those these emails, you know, if someone's interested, <laughs> I'm always a little, uh, you know, I have to approach them with a. Who's this crackpot? Who's this crackpot? There's, there's a vetting process. Anytime yes, you, vetting yeah, process. you get a yes. cold call. Yeah. It's so funny because I'm a beginning writer. I had no idea what I was walking into. You know, I'm just like, hey. Yeah, well, yeah. Wearing a, yeah. Wearing a onesie puts you a step above everyone else. So <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Brian, for acknowledging the onesie and your acceptance of my lifestyle. Of course. And this was right, uh, you know, maybe a month or two into the pandemic. And he um, uh, wanted to to meet on Zoom to kind of talk about the story idea. And I've been working for with, you know, writers for about 10 years prior and never really had that kind of in-person uh, back and forth in that way. Um and the first couple meetings, you know, he was downloading just so much information to me. It was kind of overload. And he was like, at one point, I remember you were like, I don't know if you're going to be able to, to do this, man. <laughs> I don't know if you're getting this. <laughs> but, you know, I'm, I'm just a little slow. So I just had to process the information. And it started to kind of really light a fire in my you know inspire me and i the way we do it was weekly weekly meetup so i would try to get some something together just to show him just to that we could have a discussion about to see if i was kind of getting the ideas and you know if if i was able to translate what he had in mind to to an image so a lot of the first 
drawings were just kind of con I think conceptual. I, did we dive into the the layouts early on? I know I tried to do some character designs and that wasn't really working out too well. So yeah, that didn't work out too well. We started off a lot in uh, more of the ancient times. So just to give you guys an idea, I was we're attempting to tell a story on three different kind of reality timelines. One is ancient Earth. The other is a, a planet in another dimension that's somewhat related to us. And then the other one is more kind of like 20 minutes in the future, speculative today. Oh, interesting. And yeah, so, so here we are trying to do all this. And I was so fascinated with the ancient stuff. So we were trying, you know, I was really trying to translate this story from, um, you know, the, the book of Genesis and other books that talk about the watchers, you know, these fallen angels that came and, and shared uh, ancient knowledge with humans. Yeah, and uh, I was just enamored with the, this leader Azazel, and so we were working a lot on that. But I wanted to translate them into a different dimension mm -hmm. and give them more of a a galactic kind of feel, and and basically just show that it's a metaphor that a lot of what our ancient scripts and religions are about they're just metaphors. So I just wanted to tell the metaphor in a different story as well. So it was very ambitious. So a lot of our, a lot of the stuff we did was just exploring territory, like you know we're trying to find Mount Everest or something, and but we also had to find the right way to get there, and it wasn't the original path. Sure. You know? So somehow, somehow we got, we did all that kind of meandering together um, because what we have now is very different than what we started out as and. I mean, we would spend so much time just like sharing different ideas. You know, Aaron teaching me about the nine panel, you know, yeah. you know mm -hmm. technique and like show we're looking at Frank Miller stuff and other things. And then I'm like, we're watching stuff on uh, from Apocalypse Now, like film director school, how they used eye lines and and how mm -hmm. they give a mission because I was very, very entranced with that. We just be tossing around all these crazy ideas. I'm showing him Afro Samurai. We're watching Afro Samurai for 40 minutes, you know, because <laughs> that's my initial inspiration. Yeah. Uh, Very cool. But I think uh, what's interesting is like, it's interesting. Aaron says you worked for with writers for 10 years and never had that kind of um, collaboration. But to me, like that was kind of key. I come from a, you know, a design thinking and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I'm very much into, got to visualize the thinking. We have to, you know, we got to, we got to prototype and we got to destroy yeah. and create and where do we go with this? So I'm just kind of babbling now, but go ahead. I was going to say, especially for like a story, you know, you, you have, you said you guys went on the, kind of like this creative journey, right. For yeah. the process. But I, you know, like it makes sense, especially since you're juggling so much three different timelines and making those timelines like cohesive. Yeah. That's yeah. such a difficult, you see movies all the time attempt to do it right. And that, you know, these are massive budgeted things and they still like kind of fuck it up. You know, they kind of, they, they you know, Tab, what we had to do is yeah. for the first, for the first version we had for the first episode, we basically had to trim it down and, and we couldn't yeah. do it. We couldn't do it uh, in a way that would would feel good, but 
Now we have almost a good balance of teasing all the worlds and having a great introduction yeah. and kind of, uh, kind of going from there. That's great. I mean, and that's what you want, you know, I mean, that's what you need, especially I think, I mean, I think Aaron would agree with me with comics, like you need a, that, that, that first issue, it has to have some kind of like grounding, some kind of foundation yeah. for the, for the readers to like blast off into this world that you're creating. Yep. Cause you know, sometimes yeah, if you're too sure. close to the, yeah, if you're too close to the fire as a creator, sometimes you see people like lose track of that. And, um, you know, that's when you kind of, I think you get the disconnect with the readers, but I, I love the fact that, um, you guys have been able to work like the, the weekly meetup and stuff. Yeah. I, you don't see that in comics very often. Just, I mean, maybe you do with like some of the more creator owned stuff, like with what you guys are doing, but uh, you know, it, with the bigger companies, it kind of turns into such an assembly line. It's just by the time a writer's touching something, the script's probably already been finished for like a year or so, you know, so the writer a lot of times is kind of long gone, you know, they're, they're yeah. on another, in another creative plane, essentially. Yeah, that's really, I, I thought I would learn some interesting things on this talk and I, I already am because I am kind of a newcomer to it. So we're doing it in a way that felt natural to me, maybe to us. Um, but I do in the finished product of a lot of the commercial work I see now, it does seem to have a robotic feel to it or, or mechanical sure. thing. Yeah. And uh, when I look at ours, I feel like it's a psychedelic dream or something compared to kind of the chuck, 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 you know, that, yeah. that, that I see out there, not to bash stuff, but. Um, no, it's not bashing. It's, not, it's yeah. just, it's a different, it's a different approach. And I think, you know, it's, uh, it's refreshing to, to see that. Like, I mean, that's one of the reasons why I reached out to Aaron to get you guys on because I've seen his work, um, you know, and, you know, we've worked on, projects we, we, we both Aaron and I both come from kind of the similar uh environment I would say like that kind of you know comic book area that is Portland um and when I saw this I was like oh this is some really interesting stuff that you guys are doing like, you and I very... saw it together when we were just hanging out on Skype and that's perusing, right perusing Kickstarter to see what comics were out there oh, I love it yeah. we do that I all the time it. oh cool yeah. yeah and I went oh that's Aaron's. I know. I know him. We can get him on the show. I'll, let me send him a message. Yeah. And uh, I love that. I love it. And I, I'll just say something that, um, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a musician. I'm, you know, I, I love to, I do comedy. I am, I'm, I'm a writer. I do all these things. And I, I try to, when I get onto something that's hot, I can feel it, you know, like, mm -hmm. but I'm, but I'm the, I, I, I'm more conceptual. I'm a writer. And somehow Aaron has lit this thing on fire. Like it's not even my, like they're seeing the visuals first and he's brought this thing to life in such an electric way um, that I can, I can tell you that people, I don't tell you half the times Aaron, the, the compliments I get, but people are just like, some of these things are like, this is hot. I have, you know, a lot of the people that back to this are calling me trying to make connections in different other media because they say this is just something that's hot and i'm like the book isn't even out they haven't even read the stuff yet but just based on you know what Aaron's, uh -oh. i'm a little uh -oh. jealous actually maybe this is a therapy session I'm like, what about the writing you know? <laughs> well, no that's a good I, sign I though up here you know yeah, yeah. 
So, well, since we're, uh, you know, just pouring on the, the grease on Aaron over here, just yeah, gee, I don't know if I can handle on the fire. I, I gotta, I have to ask, um, what, uh, you know, you've got, there's just, there's a lot of movement and stuff in the art and, um, like it, uh, I don't want to say psychedelic, but like, there's like some existentialism that's going on in the art itself. Like the storytelling is just, I don't it's really, really interesting. That's, I mean, that's one of the reasons like, like Brian, I noticed it, you know, just mm-hmm. right off the bat. And then, uh, you know, I saw some of your posts coming out. What was your approach uh, to doing that? Just cause it's like, you did some really, really unique angles for the storytelling, like, you know, some stretching of the car through, you know, kind of like that, uh, that bug's eye view and things like that. Oh, oh, well, thank you. Um, I would say a lot of, uh, this project has um, evolved because of the that kind of weekly meetup thing that I was talking about, but also mm-hmm. the um, uh, most of it has been drawn on digitally. Um, okay. Because it, it was it became kind of necessary that I would have to um, do a lot of the layout stuff digitally because of the way we were moving things around so much. Cause there wasn't, yeah. Steven doesn't really have a, a panel by panel page by page script. This is more um, a story that is evolving. Interesting. So um, the working digitally, I can just manipulate the imagery a lot. Um, and then I would keep us a, a traditional sketchbook um, my working practice is like kind of developed to keep me from getting too bored at any yeah. one thing. So I, I like to break up my work in front of the screen. And then when I'm getting kind of, that's kind of getting dull, I'm switch over to a sketchbook or, a, you know, the drafting board or something. Wow. Um, and then, so there is a, a there are, pages in there that have been hand-drawn that I've imported in. Um, some of the kind of mood images are just like sketchbook, uh, cool. developed sketchbook drawings, basically. So, so that your art approach was like a hybrid. It was, there's a lot of traditional media, but then also like you're using the digital tools at your disposal whenever you feel like we could do. Yeah. Do you use the clip studio or. Um, no, I use Photoshop, um, but. I'm uh I find that I don't get the dexterity digitally with either clip or uh Photoshop. So I'm still analog, but then I do a ton of touching up. I do almost all my layouts now digitally, and I'll even do some of my pencils digitally, but the final product is always pe- is always analog. Uh I just I like the look of of it. Uh, you know as much as i could say i like it uh i don't i mean i'm not very i don't i'm not a big fan of any of my stuff uh because you know it's always one of those where it's like i know that feeling yeah yeah (laughs) yeah the artist's uh the artist's whole of like uh, it's not perfect but it never will be Uh, yeah Uh, that's what i'm trying to kind of break free of with this project for sure i because you know it's funny i would labor over an image um and show it to steven and he'd be like um, why don't you go back to the other one? I just had so much more energy to it. Why did you do that? Why did you like polish it and make Disneyfy it? <laughs> Give it the yeah. Disney polish. <laughs> That's not working. 
<laughs> yeah, my I don't know. I had that that deep bias against Disney for some reason, and <laughs> and that springs to a lot of the other commercial properties. So, but I knew exactly what he meant, you know. And yeah. I have been struggling with that as long as I can remember. You know, a little sketch done in a sketchbook just has so much more life than like a finished piece I've labored over. Yeah, I I think I as I fall into that same kind of rut where. I, I feel like there's more energy and uh, even sometimes better storytelling in my roughs that are throwaways versus, and then, you know, you do that thing where you scan it in and then you're like, Oh, I can, I can rework it. You know, uh, I'll print it up bigger and ink it. So it's final. And it doesn't, it just seems like it never quite translates. I get like maybe 80% of what I originally captured in that tiny little kinetic sketch. And you're like, Oh God. Almost, almost. Yeah, like yeah. when I when I look at uh, when I'm looking at pages and and as I'm looking at the uh, you know our you know our final manuscript here. Oh, Ooh, look at that! There we go. Yeah, like I'm almost like looking at it like music. Like I want to feel an energetic. Like I want to feel something, and as the words and the the copy kind of go and. So I think there's something that we're we're trying to flow. do in in that flow. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's that all about ah, that. Doesn't like, come with a lot of polishing all the time and stuff. And yeah, even right. when I look at compare this to some of the the stuff I see, I was like, man, is ours going to look a little unfinished or something? But I think it's just a different. It has a little bit more of a flowy feel than a lot of the things I see, and I think that's what's going to make it distinctive. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the Kickstarter's it's kind of kicking ass yeah um, no kind of about it yeah yeah i, I, I got a day i think we have one more day one more day oh god we, we got to get this one out more day. we'll have this out immediately then yep uh yep. <laughs> i what is i now i have to, you just kind of you know it, the listeners didn't see it but we got to see this big fat stack of like finished pages mm-hmm. uh now i gotta know what's the entire entire scope of the project are we talking like four issues are we talking that'll eventually be collected into a graphic novel are we talking something a little bit bigger like uh what can we expect well, to me, the final product i think the deal with the devil that's been made is that nine nine episodes is kind of the okay aaron what do you is that what you have in your mind um nine parts yeah it's being part episodes. one yeah, this is part one. Oh, that's news to me. <laughs> All right, well, all right. You heard it here. This is an exclusive. There we go. Exclusive. Tiger exclusive. Nine episode deal. Nice. Okay. That's um that's awesome. Remember, we have to, we have three different, you know, reality tracks and people have to flow between them and there's a hero's journey involved and a lot of worlds to to transform. So now, now I'm going to take a little, we're going to go a little, I guess a little individual focus on you guys. Uh, I want to know, like, what was the thing that really got you guys going? Like, obviously, Eric, what would be for you? Like the thing that made you really decide you want to be an artist and Steven for you, like, what was the thing that made you really decide that? Like, uh, I like writing. I like, doing storytelling whether it's music or comedy or yeah. you know just creative writing in general um 
Whoever wants to go first, go for it. Go ahead. <laughs> Aaron, uh, Aaron needs time to process. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, I was always a, a reader growing up. So my mom was a reading teacher. So I think she impressed reading on me as kind of like being a key skill. So I, I was a little bookworm, you know, reading The Lord of the Rings, The Chronicles of Narnia, Isaac Asimov, Robert Heinlein, all the, you know, Stephen R. Donaldson, you know, uh, Lord Fowles Bane. I don't know if you guys are old sci-fi readers at all. I don't think I've read I, that one, no. I've read a little bit. Bry's more of the, the sci-fi reader. Okay. So I was, I was always, I was the kind of reader that my parents would say no reading at the dinner table or like turn, you know, go to bed type of thing. I so married I, one of those. You married one of those? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So even when I was a little kid, the other kids made, would make fun of me when I visited like uh, my grandma's, you know, went back home to the South and I went to the, the school kids program in the summer, you know, and she, she made me go to this program. So I take all my books and stuff, you know, I show up and all these kids running around like, Hey, look at him. He's the little professor. And they <laughs> laughed at me. It was like my, you know, laugh, shame moment. And I ran home crying, you know, cause I've been oh, shamed being a reader. And my grandma said, boy, get your ass back over there. <laughs> I had to run back over there and go teach those kids something. You yeah. Know? She didn't say that. She maybe, maybe that's what it in her mind. Cause she was a teacher too. But anyway, so, so that, that's, so I, then I was always, I was in a role playing games, not my, I couldn't play Dungeons and Dragons because of, for religious reasons. So I played a game called Gamma World, which was like basically X-Men in uh, the dystopian future. That cool. sounds pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Gamma World. Check it out. Still out there. And uh, so what got me into wanting to, to write? Well, I always, I guess I always just have, whether it be poetry or short stories, but, but as an adult, I always thought, okay, am I going to write, am I going to write a real book or something? And yeah. uh this is what I've kind of come up with. So this is kind of like, I would say my first, you know, creative work to be published like this, this would be my first book. And it turns out to be a graphic novel, but it was almost like I read like Madeline Engel and, and other creatives that talk about their process. And it's like the great things that have the most meaning to you, they kind of come to you to be, to be ushered in, you, you channel them into existence. Yeah. And this came, this came about in a way that it doesn't feel like writing, you know, I don't feel like uh, Hunter Thompson, you know, like, ah, you know, eight hours a day and all that. Mm -hmm. This is something that just kind of grew and, you know, sure. I spent a lot of time writing, but it's not like when you think of a writer, I guess, but I think that's the way, I wanted to do it more autobiographical, more collecting of my own stuff and synthesizing in a more organic way. So can, I, yeah. Can I throw in there real quick? Uh, it sounds like you're more about the actual process of writing. I think too many times people, because of like movies and stuff, they see the glorification of, I'd say just the artistic, artistic process, whether it's like music or art or whatever. And so people fall in love with the idea of being yeah. a creator or being a, an artist. Right. But then when it comes to the hard work of actually sitting down and doing it and like, and like working out those creative muscles, 
they realized very quickly yeah, like it's not easy yeah yeah holy shit like to become a good writer like i have to read a lot i have to yeah. write a lot and a lot of it's never you know it's those that's just the workouts that's you haven't even yeah. gotten to the and, actual thing yeah yeah and a lot of it is um is uh like you have to persevere without without much encouragement or even with with you know tough feedback so yeah. actually this story i received some very tough feedback from a couple of like close friends that i respect that made me say okay how can I make this thing more relatable, more consumable? It's not making, you know, like I had to like have my own dark times of like, well, fuck you, man. Or, and then like, okay, maybe he's right. You know? <laughs> and, and, and even with the process with Aaron, some things, you know, he'll have some serious questions. I have to, okay. Well, what about that? Okay. Yeah. And then, like, so you have to kind of take a lot of feedback from places and then just like, just keep working with it. So a lot of it is just a, like a development process of that you, that you have to, that's, that's what you're talking about is the development process. A lot of people yeah. can have the first idea, but can you make it through that development process? And I'll just close by saying that early on, I got some advice from someone that said, do something you can finish. Yeah. Like you want to do all this. Like I, I originally wanted this to be like an anime kind of thing or whatever, like full screen, like Afro Samurai, like my hero. Yeah. But the guy said, do something you can complete. And I think that's where I turned towards, well, maybe I can make this a graphic novel or a comic book. And, and that seemed cooler anyway, I guess, because I'm coming from where I was with my inspiration with the Afro Samurai. I said, well, that started as a comic book, you know, yeah. so let's, Let's try that. And then, but then just the writing seemed more like how I like to write more modular, more, you know, with some pentameter, but it could be more brief and I could, I could be wittier and like throw stuff in and just, so it just, the, the format seemed to kind of work for me when I, when I got there. Wow. That's a, yeah. I, I love it. I love it. This is part of my, every episode we have a guest. This is my favorite part of the process. Yep. I love hearing like what makes the creative juices kind of tick come alive. You know, yeah. what makes the tiger milk flow? There you go. Oh, there we go. There's the tiger milk secret. <laughs> <laughs> Aaron. On, Aaron, give us that milk, Aaron. Yeah. yeah where, did I, where, where did I get my first taste of tiger milk? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I well, my dad was a cartoonist. Uh, uh, he didn't like autobiographical weekly cartoon strip for 25 years. Wow. So I always just grew up around the idea of making cartoons, yeah. comics. Um, and then uh, he was, I mean, he did that, but he was also an orchardist. But I you know, I think kids can always kind of tell what their parents are most passionate about. Yeah, he was, you know, he he's still drawing today. Um, wow. And he, you know, he loves it. He we've we've been to some workshops together. He's taken me to the he got me into going to the um, Ruben Award weekends. I don't know if you heard about those. There no. It's like an award ceremony for um, cartoonists. The National okay. Cartoonist Society. Wow. Cool. Yeah. Um, we took a caricaturing class together uh, taught by Tom Richmond, who did some uh, Mad Magazine. Awesome. Um, I've, I've heard that name in a few circles. Yeah. 
Wow. That's really, uh, so then what made you, obviously you were, you, you came from an art family. What made you kind of gravitate towards, uh, you know, comics? I mean, cause yeah. I know you through, you know, well now it's Heliscope before it was Periscope, which if people aren't, they don't, people don't know what that is at the time. It was like, pretty much like the only kind of collective I would say of working professionals in the comic industry. Like when you came, if you went to the West coast, it was like, Oh, if you want to get your foot in the door, that was a really good place to start. Cause they had connections to all the major publishers. There was a constant rotation of professionals coming through. Um, like I got in there through the internship program. How did you kind of find your way into the kind of the, I guess at the time, the Periscope uh, setting. Yeah, I actually joined when it was still called Mercury. Um, oh, wow. Shit. And it was, yeah, it was in a different location than it is now. Um, and my dad actually told me about it. I was living in Providence, Rhode Island okay. uh, with my wife and son. And we were wanting to move back to the West Coast. And um, we were thinking about maybe Seattle, maybe Portland. And then my dad told me about um the studio and i think he was with me when we came down to portland to check it out and the first day we went in to just meet um the studio i, I remember he yeah i'm pretty sure he was there when i met steve for the first time the legendary steve lieber yeah the legendary steve yep. lieber yes and the he looked at my work and was you know he's just such a generous artist he uh you know he'll, yeah and i, like I hear he's, he's still he'll oh, still giving critiques out these yeah days. yeah he's still doing critiques i like to say he's responsible for more comic careers than any of the publishers still operating today <laughs> <laughs> i bet you're right i wouldn't doubt that yeah yeah so you met the crew and then was it just kind of off to the races then? Did you, did you just start uh, just basically working out of Portland, like freelancing um, and stuff? Well, I was doing the Yeah, I just. I started doing work for um, Ron and I think um, Matthew Clark. Okay. Um, David Hahn. Oh, yeah. I was doing some background work for those guys and then around that time uh i i got my a, a book contract um happened for me the um u.s constitution a graphic adaptation uh, yeah and, I, I remember that yeah and uh i don't know if you were around when um the studio pretty much bailed me out of that because I was, I signed on to do that, assuming I had all the time I needed to get it done. And then the, the publisher was like, no, we, um, we want it by this time. Um, that would have been know, kind of in this position where. Was that like 2013? This would have been no 2008, 2008, yeah, 2008. I think out. that was right before I, I think I'd heard about that, but I didn't come into like the end of 2009. Um, so I think I had heard about, uh, cause that's when like they, that could be kind of like, that was kind of one of the things that the studio would do is it would, they would help a lot of creators out 
Um, well, the, yeah, the studio would sometimes take on jobs collectively to, yeah. um, you know, like if it was a fast turnaround, but there would be also like a uh, good pay involved. And this was just me in deep water. Yeah. And Steve, out of the kindness of his heart, just helping me get it done. And that's awesome. You know, recruiting whoever had time to do some inking or something. Yeah. Dude, they had totally did a godfather for you, man. Getting you out yeah. of the, the band. Oh, yeah, totally. Steve yeah. liked the godfather of comics. He just <laughs> pretty sure. Well, I don't know. He might break people's legs. I don't think so. <laughs> we'll have to get him back on here. I'll have- Somebody had a horse head in their bed that night. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So you finished that book and then it just, has it just been kind of like one project after the other, uh, just moving forward? Um, yeah, I, I took on another book with the same writer of the, or the adapt, uh, adaptation author. Um, and then we did a third one about the comic book story. Uh, so it was U.S. Constitution, Gettysburg Address, and then the comic book story of beer. <laughs> okay. I remember the comic trilogy. Yeah. Yeah, I do remember the comic book story of beer. I remember when you were working on that. I think that's when I probably, I think I met you right before you started that project. Because I remember when you, that kind of took off. Um, yeah, that was a that was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah that was to, cool to to do and then to promote afterward because I I got to hang around with the the two. There were two authors on that, um, oh. and one of them was a brewer. And we debuted the book at the Great American Beer Fest in Denver. (laughs) And that was the first beer festival I'd ever been to. And he's like showing me around and (laughs) getting me samples. Oh, you got to try this and that. (laughs) That's uh, a good time. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I, I, um, yeah, you can't really sustain that, especially as a cartoonist. Probably not a good idea that would kill me. I would die. Uh, <laughs> not good die, for your but... writing. Yeah, not... <laughs> What's that, Steven? Not good for a steady hand. You need a no. Steady hand. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Brian, yeah. is it time? But it's yeah, time. then I, oh, I, I, I took a break from the nonfiction because I, I just always wanted to. I mean, I kept getting little jobs that were related to that. And I started sure. to notice that my work was just really getting dull and lifeless um, interesting so Was yeah it just because you've been typecast as like i'm the the history guy now yeah yeah, yeah. you know i'm i remember the last two that i did was like uh one one of them was about nelly bly another one was Anne frank and it's like okay. I, I can get into this but there were you know they wanted them to be kind of clear line drawing for so that kids could color them, color the pages, print out the pages and color. (laughs) I just, you know, I just was looking at the work going, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I, these are interesting subjects and all, but I'm just, I'm not bringing my A game to this. Uh, Something is missing. So yeah, I actually started, going to um, workshops around that time um, for painting and, and life drawing. Yeah. To kind of reinvigorate my enthusiasm for, you know, for making art again, basically. I See, I like hearing that because there's a, you know, a lot of times I think you get, because, you know, at, 
I guess at our core as an artist, you're technically like a, especially a commercial artist or comic artist, you're kind of a tradesman, you know? And so like the fact that you were like, I'm not liking, even though my skills are like, I'm getting work, uh, you know, it's not what I particularly enjoy. So I'm going to reinvent kind of my approach and style. Like that takes uh, a lot of, uh, I think, I would say even like courage to do that just because you're kind of like having to go, all right, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to, you know, I'm going to have to teach myself how to do something that's outside my comfort zone. You know, that's, that's awesome. Like I salute you for that, man. Like (laughs) huge. Yeah. And I, one of the things that Steve is, I remember him saying is that um, cartoonists will often reinvent themselves, you know, throughout their career. Um, and I've seen, you know, you can kind of look at his career and see how that worked for him. Like he's doing uh, those, like the Jimmy Olsen and the. Yeah. He's like uh, a humor guy now. Yeah. He's a humor guy. Yeah. And, he, <laughs> and he used he's to like, do that, you know, yeah. kind of dark and brooding yeah. stuff like white out. And, yeah. Yeah. He was like the dark mystery Road to guy. Perdition. Right. Right. Dark mystery guy. Now he's like light humor and he was strictly analog, like pencil and ink and now he's like purely digital it's 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 fascinating how he's been able to just reinvent himself uh i love it um brian is, is it time for the question hit him with it all right okay question. i'll be right back you got you take the wheel all right all right all right <laughs> aaron has to go first this time so get ready aaron okay oh really i need i need to wet my whistle a little bit <laughs> That's all right. All right. You, you yeah. wet it while I, uh, I'll lay out what the question is. <laughs> so right, the question goes like this, and it's something that we ask every guest who comes on the show. And uh, that would be given unlimited budget. Um, if you had the opportunity to uh, do a graphic novel, a miniseries, or whatever of any uh, established character, uh, it can be a comic character, movie, TV, Whatever you, whatever you know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Um, but any sort of established character, what would who who would you want to do a comic on? Ooh. Oh man! Wow. Uh, <laughs> you know, I think my I don't have an immediate answer for that, but I think my uh, choice would actually be something that I don't have a huge amount of respect for kind of the way that like Alan Moore took the old, uh, what were those, the Charlton characters or the, you know, how he took the, these kind of B list characters and turned them into the Watchmen. Yeah. Something like that, where it's like, you know, take something that, that you feel like you have the, the freedom to kind of reinvent. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what that would be. Right. Um, I, I kind of, there's some like bronze age comics that I picked up recently. Like, um, uh, the sectars, Have you ever, do you remember the sectars line? No, no, <laughs> that there was a toy line, uh, of, uh, insect, um, I should get some of the, well, this is a podcast, so it doesn't matter. I have a couple of the action figures, but they're, they're like, uh, 
insect humanoids, but then they ride atop uh, other insects. And the in- okay. the toys were little puppets, so you could put your hands in there, in there, <laughs> oh, and then your character would sit on top of it. And the, I think Marvel did the, I think it was Marvel comic did a, a spinoff miniseries. Was that like in the eighties? Was that an eighty? That sounds like yeah, an 80s thing. I think it, yeah. yeah, straight up eighties. Wow. Yeah, yeah, that's straight up eighties. It's got to be the golden age of of toys, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So much wild stuff. <laughs> so yeah, that'll be my answer. I'll do a sectars. I'll, I'll revive right. the sectars. There we go. There we go. All right, Stephen, what do you got? All right, what do I got? So mine would be um like taking something from the music world like uh, the the world of rock and roll and rock stars and turn it into almost like a a battle a battle situation like like almost like weaponize the music and have like this battle of the bands where it's like you're taking music and turning into like sonic forces and things and like being this like epic kind of gladiatorial rock and roll you know uh games type of thing all right important i have an important follow-up question (laughs) <laughs> who are your bands? Who are your fighters? Uh, well, well, I would take archetypes from like like different genres and stuff. Like maybe it'd be like Jimi Hendrix, you know, like like a guitar type thing, like battling against um, Motley Crue. Ooh, you know, oh man! Like, like, oh yeah, <laughs> that would be you crazy. Know, just like yeah, but somehow you're visualizing this like battle and maybe it's like the sound waves are doing something or the crowd or some kind of mix i think i got it when i i saw something about kanye west wanting to create an old uh like a place we could put a hundred thousand person choir or something like this crazy like arena so i don't know i just had this idea of uh that there's other things like that there's like combat shows and stuff almost like a mortal combat of musician yeah Yeah, that would be that would yeah. be fascinating, especially yeah, especially if they're battling in some like crazy, like giant, like you said, outdoor, like auditorium. That's almost like a battle arena. That'd yeah. be so yeah. cool, That'd man. Be sick. I'm down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like Sonic. Blasted by sound waves. Yeah. yeah. There's a publisher that I think they do mostly just like music based comics nowadays. I want to say it's like really? Z publishing or something like that. Uh hmm. They might be worth uh, when you guys are done with ancient futures uh, reaching out to. Them. Yeah, they might be into something like that. That's awesome. Wow. Well, yeah, I, I would kind of like to ask you guys, like, how did you get into like your first your first loves, or like what was your? Oh, your... mm. well, I'll let Bry go first. Well, okay, so. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this can't turn into the Ninja Turtle slash Batman podcast, Brian. I'm just gonna <laughs> say why that. Why you gotta right take now. my? I mean, those were my. That's what I. That's what I grew up with. You know, uh, Ninja, Ninja Turtles. Turtles. And uh, wow, okay. Uh, my my earliest memory as a child was uh, three years old uh, with my dad at the drive-in in 1989, seeing the first Batman movie. Um, so. Oh, 89. Yeah. That's not the first Batman movie, you know. In my mind, it is. 
In my mind, it is. Is that a? Let me guess. Is that a Michael Keaton? Yeah, yeah that's right. That's yes. right. Yeah. So yeah, I, I grew up on a on a steady diet. I was almost gonna say Val Kilmer. Oof. Like, yeah, I, I grew up on a steady diet of uh, <laughs> Brian just grimaced. Yeah. <laughs> Nin- he takes Turtles, his Batman very serious. Batman, very Star serious. Wars, those are uh, those are my jams. Yep. Yeah, yeah. That's um, sweet. Yeah, I love that movie. I, oh man, way too much. There was a bat fever in the air. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think how. I, I my dad was really into we he was he really loved like classic TV and old school movies. Charles Bronson, Charles oh, yeah. Bronson, all that kind of stuff. Um, but like, you know, the campy stuff, too. Like we watched a lot of like old like Twilight Zone and uh, like Twilight Zone. Godzilla movies. And I loved like the original, like 33 King Kong. That was probably like my initial like introduction into that. So then it kind of just went in like I was always really heavy into watching, I guess, film like movies like, you know, but like the pop culture stuff, but like always like the fantastical stuff, like with monsters and all that. And then um, I weirdly got into and it was only because of the monsters because all in this big, big universal monsters phase, like all the monsters from the 30s and 50s. And uh, at the time. It was probably like 89, maybe 90. Uh, we went to Nebraska to visit some family and Marvel was doing the whole Cap Wolf run. And I saw um, if you have if you're not familiar with it, like it's the Cap mo- probably Wolf? It's Cap Wolf. Was Cap where, Wolf? Yeah, where Captain America gets injected with some kind of like werewolf serum and he's nice. like a super soldier werewolf. And it's terrible. It's ter- it's it's like it's made fun of now most of the time, like if it's referenced because it's just so ridiculous. But when I was like, I don't know, six years old or something, however old I was when that came out, I was like all in. And um, <laughs> and then from that point, I just was like a hardcore. I only re- I wasn't really into comics. I just read Captain America. That was it. And um, it wasn't until I went to college. uh that I started kind of, I was still really into pop culture and stuff, but then I, I became a fine arts major. And that was when I kind of like put the two and two together. Like I just really wanted to be really good at, I wanted to be a really good illustrator. And I was at a, in an art program that was really into like modern art, like, you know, like, like Rothko and that kind of stuff and Jackson Pollock. And I just, I didn't really, I'm it's great. But I didn't really see it. Didn't impress me. It wasn't something that I was into. I was more. And then I started reading comics while I was in college. Fine again, art. Like, hell no. Cap Wolf. Turn it up. Hell yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I, we had a great. There was a great comic book shop. Uh, you know, not far from the university. And so I started reading a lot of comics. And the biggest takeaway was like, oh, these guys, even though it, they're drawing superheroes and stuff, they're just really technically proficient. They're really, really good at drawing whatever's thrown at them, whether it's realistic stuff or surreal stuff. And so then I, I went, I found out, I remember there was a, you know, I saw some ad years ago, you know, way back for the Joe Kubert school out in New Jersey. And so I was like, well, if I want to get really good at drawing everything and learn how to tell a story, I need to go here. And so I really probably didn't do the most research I needed to do uh, to like, drop out of school and go to a, you know, the Cubert school, like, you know, this, this little trade school. Um, but yeah, you know, it, things kind of worked out. And so as I was like going through the pro, like when I went to the Cubert school, 
I, everyone was there was like knew everybody in the industry. They, I only knew one, like two names, Stanley and Jack Kirby. That was it. I didn't know. I didn't know who Jim Lee was. I was like, I didn't even talk comics with anybody there that first year and a half because I was so embarrassed that I didn't know who anybody was. Like, I didn't know, I, you know, I didn't know anything about the industry. And so then I went directly from there. Uh, I was able to get like a, an interview at dark horse and dark horse was like, no, you don't have the chops to draw for us. Uh, it, but they're like, Oh, but you know, since you're in Portland, there's a internship program. You should probably like look them up. And, uh, it was the, you know, Periscope studios. Uh, and so I ended up doing, going there, whatever I, you know, did that. And then pretty much it was just off to the races. I was able to get jobs and just kind of, I don't know. I was a bit of a journey journeyman, probably those, I would say that first like 10 years of my like professional career, just, I would take any job I could get uh, as long as it was art related. So, you know, whether it was doing menus or whether it was doing like storyboards for like a commercial or something. Um, and um, yeah. And now I pretty much just do comics full time and yeah, but that was kind of cool. how I got into it. Yeah. Mine was, yeah. I, everybody's got like a weird route. I, th- I feel, but it just kind of comes, yeah. it's interesting how like nobody's story is the same, but it all the, the conclusions always like, Oh, I just want to tell stories. I want to, I want to contribute something to the cultural zeitgeist. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, it's kind yeah, of interesting. Yeah. yeah. That's how I, that's how I got into it. But Cap yeah, Wolf, Cap, Cap Wolf, that, that's nice. When I, when I think about it, you know, and I, I haven't read a ton of Grant Morrison, but you know, I subscribe to that whole mythology. You know, it's like the, this is the mythology of our lives. Like, yeah, yeah, more more people that relate probably to Yoda than Jesus now, right? These are the right. mythology retold. You know, just repackaged ancient stories, repackaged the hero's journey, Star Wars is yeah. the hero's journey. So I, I think we're on to something. It's, it's not just a uh, frivolous pursuit. It's it's somehow we're retelling certain truths that resonate with us in, in these mythologies. Yeah. No, I, I, I was just actually, uh, uh, there's a few artists up here that I'm friends with. And one of them's like this, he's like this, like fairly, you know, like famous, accomplished AR artist. And we were just meeting for coffee and he was talking about how he just, he's, he's doing comics now or starting to get into it, but he, he can't get into the whole like mainstream comics, right? He has no interest in superheroes and he doesn't understand like why they're so popular. And like, my thing was like, it's because it's the modern mythology, man. Like, this is like, it is, this is our Greek gods. This is the, these are the stories like people for some reason, I don't know what it is. Hercules is literally the- a Marvel character. So he's yeah, I, but, but there is something in the human condition, right? We're constantly looking for yeah. these like larger than life characters. And I don't know what that comes from, like from a, like a, like a, a human standpoint, but it, yeah, I would say like, you're onto something like, yeah, Star Wars, Marvel, DC, uh, you know, any of these characters, like even Ninja Turtles, right? Like they represent, some aspect of uh, the human condition that we're like constantly trying to get in touch with like subconsciously, but we don't even realize it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is it, is it a reminder to us that we have a lot more potential than, than we, we live in? Is it, is it somehow yeah. meant to show us, you know, what our, what our potential is or what our destiny or what our forgotten potential might be? Yeah. I, we, I think, I don't know, maybe the, and I, I think this is kind of a, you see it like, especially coming out of the pandemic, I think you see a lot of people that are kind of like 
you get into this like rut of like what is expected of you. You know, you get up, you go to work, do the whatever nine to five, come back, then, you know, rinse, repeat. And I think that now it's like, you know, there's a lot of people that yeah, you know, we've come to the point where we're like, I want to do something more. I want to be like something where I can look back and be like, I've accomplished something. And I, that might be why we do like idolize these fictional characters, characters like Batman or, you know, the flash, whatever Iron Man is because like they're characters that kind of like, they, they manifest their own destiny and it was to have like a positive impact on the world around them. Even the villains like Thanos, you could say what you want about him. He still felt he was doing good things. Right. Sure. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. Talk about the villains, right? The super villains. That, that's the part that we don't, we talk about the superheroes, but they're the, the hero is not a hero without the villain. They, they yeah. need each other. You know, I listen, you, you know, listen to some of the conspiracy theorists out there. They say, um, you know, are we given are we given a false choice? You know, we have in Democrats and Republicans, you know. Yeah. Oh, we, we go to we go to war over these things, but we're fighting over kind of like the same thing. I think there's a polarity that yeah. that is also being told in these stories. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Where it's like all like perspective. Right. Like Lex Luthor, he's only a villain because his what he wants to accomplish it's more of like his his the methods of his means where in another circumstance like if say he didn't have superman as his his foil i guess he might be just like just accomplishing great things for humanity right. but he, you know he, who, who knows you know it's it's interesting i'm sure i'm sure there's a million story arcs that they've done with superman where lex luther was somehow some type of good guy or whatever he was benefiting society in some way yeah. Uh, Brian, you, you know more of that stuff than I do. Is, yeah, there, there was there, there's there's been instances, sure. Yeah, yeah, it's it's yeah, it's all just. I think it's all just so fascinating. Whether it's like you know, it's people doing like what you guys are doing, where you're creating your own this this new story, this own like mythos, or you're contributing to these like larger vehicles, like you know the X Men or you know uh, you know Luke Cage or whoever you know whatever right, character right. it is. Yeah, it's kind of fascinating. Um, well, let's we're kind of starting to wind down a little bit. Yeah. And as we start getting towards the end of the show, we like to uh, delve into what everybody's reading. That's right. Like, I know. I know. Get a little book clubby, but hey, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, that's where uh, that's where I'll put my glasses on now. At, at heart, we're all fans, right? We're all fans yeah. of something. So uh, you're our, our, our distinguished guest. What uh, what are you guys reading? What what's on the old reading table these days? Well, I've been getting into uh, lately the Emerald Tablets, the ancient uh, teachings of Thoth. Ooh, AKA, okay, AKA Quetzalcoatl, and uh, oh. these are uh, tablets that were written by Thoth, who is uh, ruled over. In ancient times, uh, ex-Atlantean, uh, basically ruler, very wise. And uh, I've been very interested in how these emerald tablets are the kind of the precursor to a lot of the stories that happen in the ancient scriptures and things. So the creation story and how the, the creation was set up in different things. And uh, so I've been a little bit more into researching um, kind of the ancient scriptures 
and how they all these different religions kind of draw from a similar source. I find that to be kind of a fascinating topic. Yeah, that's that is fascinating. Cool. Oh, very cool. Man, Aaron, what are you uh, what are you reading? Oh, uh, I wanted to ask what what those are. You I, you haven't mentioned those to me. Are those uh, emerald tablets? Um, what is the writing like? Is it readable or is it kind of like? Yeah, it was um, actually uh, translated from Sumerian, I, I believe, which was kind of the original written language. Yeah. And yeah, it's so I've also been enamored with Atlantis. So it's like it kind of goes back to to those kind of teachings. So, yeah, I think we've talked around that, but I've dug deeper in, in just my research and like followed the there's a great guy, Billy, Billy Carson, forbidden knowledge. If you ever follow him, but he, he does a lot of okay. teachings on, on that kind of, that kind of old stuff. So I'm kind of like fascinated with that forbidden knowledge and like, why do we believe what we believe in those kind of things? Have you uh, checked out any of Graham Hancock's stuff? Oh yes. Yes. Okay. I read right. yeah, fingerprints of the gods and magicians yeah. of the gods. Awesome. So a lot of that, he kind of gets into a lot of that. Yeah. He, 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 I, I've read, I've read, whatever his most recent book is, I cannot, the, the recent title escapes the, me. Uh, I think fingerprints was first and the magicians was second. That's right. Yeah. So I read magicians just like some of his like speculative, like uh, theories were really fascinating. It was very yeah. like, speculative. I like a lot. I like a lot of that kind of history stuff. It's, it's fun. It's also like such a great catalyst for creativity. Cause you're just yeah. like, Ooh, like what if like whoa all right no, uh, hey. <laughs> yeah cool yeah very Look cool up my reading list Aaron what do you, yeah, what do you got? I, um I'm kind of embarrassed to say don't, I haven't read don't uh, be. saga the I I've started that one and for whatever reason I didn't continue so I have to catch up with that, but I really like um, Brian K. Vaughn and Marcos Martin, uh, The Private Eye. Have you guys read this one? No, I've almost awesome. I've, I've almost purchased that like five separate times and I didn't. <laughs> uh, how is it? Is it pretty? This, I mean, I, I love this book. Yes. Yeah? It's so entertaining. And it's uh, yeah, it, it I I just realized that it has a lot of you know, our ancient futures project shares certain things with that. It's kind of like, a, I mean, it's, it's a speculative, I think it's set in like 2076 or something. Okay. And uh, yeah, but it is kind of at its heart, a, a detective noir story. Uh, oh, the, cool. the, yes. the kid has the little symbol on his door, a uh, pie symbol. Yeah. Pi, P-I. Okay. Okay. <laughs> nice. And uh, yeah, cool. Yeah. It's got a, his, he lives with uh, like his, his grandfather and his grandfather, I think would basically be like uh, from my son's generation, maybe. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, has grown up with like uh, phones and, and, uh, and and cords for phones <laughs> yeah. and yeah. in this in in this story the uh um there's this event where the cloud basically floods or bursts and all of 
people's like personal data just streams down for a number of days. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> ruining wow. careers and yeah. people's <laughs> personal lives. <laughs> and so when was it this post world it has like removed that the internet. So the, the big, I, I don't know. I shouldn't spoil the story. It's very interesting. Yeah, no, I just put yeah. it on my on my wish list. I, I'm getting that. I'm going to go to the yeah. shop this but, week, and I'm going to pick it up. To parrot Stephen's question, when was that written? When did that come out? It was a few years well, ago. Yeah, right? I was looking at it. I was like, uh, it, um, I, it was before Saga. So um, it was in here. And this book is great because it has a – I should look in the back because it has a little um, the email between uh, Martin and Vaughn. Okay. Like reveals how the project all came about. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it's got a great little. So you get to see how the sausage is made essentially on the project. Yeah. That's cool. And these were emails were like 2012. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. So it was a while ago. Yeah. Yeah. So the cloud probably would have been like kind of new at that point, wasn't it? I want to say it's pretty brand new, right? Did we even yeah. have the cloud in Yeah, I feel like he's just pulling stuff right out of the headlines for whatever time. <laughs> yeah. That time. Yeah, yeah they're very that, playfully inserting all those elements. Have you guys, um, have either of you guys read or read in Decorum, Mike Huddleston? No, uh, it's a, it's an image book. I think both you guys would be really dig it because cool. it gets into like there's some multiple timeline stuff. It's like futurism, but there's also like, you know, the main character is she's just trying to like, you know, make ends meet, live day to day. She's like a delivery person and gets wrapped up yeah. in this like kind of futuristic like crime world. Um, but I mean, if you're familiar with Mike Huddleston's work, it's. He takes all the comic book rules, you know, like structured paneling and stuff and just breaks it. It's like some mm. panels are just black and white sketches. Other uh, panels are full paintings. Cool. That yeah, is, that's it. Yeah, yeah, that is it. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. yeah, I think I think you guys would really dig it. I think it would really uh, yeah. like the style really like jives really well with, uh, you know, ancient futures. Nice. And that's black. That's black and white with uh, some accents, I think. Yeah, like it's not. Yeah, parts are like black and white. Sometimes it's like like two tone. Sometimes it's like like I said, like there's a flashback sequence I think in like issue three, and it was like fully painted, like full on, like these beautiful yeah. digital like they look like oil paints, but I think it was digitally. But I mean, like, oh. I mean, he's I mean that guy is like some next level creativity. I don't. I don't is this what, it too? Is it too? Yeah, that's the main. That's that's like the main cover, I think, for the f- collection of Volume One. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah it, that is fucking cool. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. It's worth. It's definitely worth the money. It's worth picking up. Right. But okay, Bry, what do you got? Listen, now wait. Well, no, I no, got. No, I got. I got this. I got this. Okay, because <laughs> Bry got called out. I got, Bri called, got out called out by a listener. <laughs> a by listener, listener said, Bry. You know, with his fucking Cheeto dust just covering <laughs> covering dust. his keyboard. His fingerprint Cheeto dust is just all over the place. He's covered in it. Whoever whoever this person is said, Bri, you don't uh you only read TMNT and Batman comics. Well, first of all, I buy my comics, so if you want me to read something else and review it on the show, you mail that shit to my house. 
<laughs> Whatever you want. I'll read it. I'll throw it on the show. But here's the thing. You're going to get some weird shit showing up at your house now. I'm fine with that. Send it. Send <laughs> you to say your address out loud right now. So, <laughs> Yeah, let me get Tad's address pull up real quick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but uh, you know what? Tad actually challenged me. He said, I want you to, he said, find some, find some good, uh, indie or image stuff. So, uh, so I did that. I did that. And uh, it was weird timing. Cause I challenged you like a couple days before you did, you did that happened. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so whoever you are, you're going to think this was because of you and your Cheeto dust flying everywhere, but it's not, it's not, I was already committed. Um, but anyway, so I bought the complete uh, the complete series of Luther Strode. I don't know if you guys have read that or not. It's uh, oh, heard of that? Haven't read it. Yeah. Uh, Justin Jordan, Trad Moore, uh, uh, Felipe uh, Sobrio. I think I'm. I hope I'm not butchering that. But if if you're into like hyper violent, like gore, uh, I'm in. Yeah, I know you are. This is this is the story. So it's like this this little skinny high school kid um, who wants to like put on weight and like get big so he can like start picking up girls. You know, yeah. He orders this book, and this book comes, and then he just all of a sudden overnight, you know, is looking like uh, you know Dwayne the Rock Johnson essentially, <laughs> and uh, he's basically he immortal. Sounds like- this sounds like the story of my life. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, what was the book, Dad? What book did you read? Oh, I'm not uh, done yet. I'm not, Bry's I'm not yet. done. He's still uh, going. So, so this <laughs> guy, he can like, so Luther Strode can like see the your muscles and muscle striations and like knows where to like rip you apart at. And uh, the guy's no basically way. immortal and it's uh, hyper, hyper violent. Like there's one of the, one of the issues is, uh, He's in Russia, right? And the whole issue is in Russian. And I oh, think it's really cool because uh, if you're putting it in the position of you're Luther Strode, you have no idea what these people are saying to you. <laughs> um, you know, so they're like fighting. And he's it? like, I don't know what you're saying. Pop, pop, pop. Like, <laughs> so it's it's a great it's a great read. I'm almost done. I'm in the last. Uh, so it's in it's three different volumes. So you've got. Uh, the Strange Talent of Luther Strode is Volume One, Volume Two, The Legend of Luther Strode, and I'm in Volume Three, uh, The Legacy of uh, Luther Strode. Uh, so I'm almost done with it. It's uh, really great. And then I picked up uh, a new image book just hit uh, last month. Or yeah, I believe it was last last month. It's called Rogue Son, and uh, this is uh, by Ryan Parrott and Abel. It was the artist on this. Chris O'Halloran was the colorist. Uh, okay. And so this was like a new image superhero book. It's interesting. Um, I'm not. I'm not sure where they're going with it, but uh, I, I think first t- first issues. I think we kind of talked about this earlier. Uh, you know, first issues can always be really hard, but it's about a superhero who dies and then passes his legacy on to like his teenage son. Um, cool. And I think the most I, the I one, like that. Yeah, it's cool. The one thing that got me was the mom was like, "Oh yeah, I've known your dad was a superhero, and uh, now you've got his powers. So cool. Uh, be careful." <laughs> like what? <laughs> to be fair, to be fair, that would be like if I had kids or something. 
Like sure. if I was a superhero, that's how my wife would be. Sure. Be like, but yeah, if it was a superhero, it, you know, the superhero, it, it, it kind of adds some like gravity to it because the superhero, uh, rogue son, he left his, yeah. he left his wife and oh. son. So like they think, you know, the son thinks that the dad abandoned him, doesn't want anything to do with him, doesn't find out until he dies. And they're like reading his will, meeting his new family. Um, it sort of brings a little bit of complexity to it. It was a it was yeah, a good yeah. read. I you know I think that uh, you know they did it. They did a really good job on uh, on the first issue. There's a little bit of action in it that that makes it fun. It takes place in New Orleans. Um, okay. Yeah, I'm I'm into it. I'm, I'll probably pick up the next issue and kind of see where it goes. But yeah, here's yeah. it right here, Rogue Son. Rogue Son. I bought it because the-, the cover looked cool, and uh, yeah, it was a good story. Yeah. Okay. Tad, what do you All got? Right. So I read this book. Um, I actually got in a used bookstore. I had it on my uh, wish list because it was like an import. And, uh, you know, it was like kind of expensive, but I found it for like, I don't know, it was like five bucks in a used bookstore here in the middle of nowhere, Alaska. I was like, okay, that's weird. But I got this book called, uh, it's called The Shadow of a Man. And it's, yeah, it, it's really interesting in the fact that it takes place in um, kind of like, almost like a turn of the century, like Victorian depiction of what like a f- like future, like future cities would look like. So kind of had this like Jules Verne mm-hmm. or like HG yeah. Wells depiction of what like future city. So like, you know, it was very, um, like I said, yeah, it was very like early 1900s in stylistic. So very like think Metropolis or something. Right. Yeah. yeah. And um, this guy, he can't, he's having night terrors. He can't sleep. And so he goes and gets this medication and it he's able to like sleep well but the problem is it has this weird effect where it makes his shadow turn translucent so it's more of like the shadow isn't just this shadow that's cast it's actually like almost like a mirror image of himself and it's freaking people out and uh it's interesting because it's more of like a statement on like i guess like the social norm and how people are can become exiles because they are an oddity. So he's like perfectly fine. He just has this weird anomaly with a shadow, but he loses like immediately like loses his wife, loses his job. He ends up going from like, oh, excuse me, I'm gonna I've got a cough here. <coughs> uh, okay. Wow. He ends up losing his job. I know. Uh, you'd think I'd be better at this. He um he goes from being like uh high society. To now living in like kind of like these like these slums, which would be, you know, the city has built itself up. And so now he's living on like the street level and he's like associating with all these like people that normally he wouldn't have like he would think of as lesser than. And um, I don't want to ruin it for anybody, but sure. it's a really interesting because at first my first read is like, really, like, how does this make sense? He's like being socially exiled because his shadow is changing. That's kind of lame. But then as you get into it, like it's more of a, like the story turns into more of like a social statement on the perplexities of our own like environments that we craft for ourselves. It was, it was really, really like, it was beautifully illustrated, had this very like classic style. Like the, you could tell uh, the artist used like all analog. So it was, you know, like um, traditional nib. And then like, like, I think the coloring, if it was done digitally, they fooled me because it looked like it was done with like watercolor or something. Um, but it was just a, a, I don't normally like go for that kind of stuff, 
but I kept seeing it pop up and I thought, oh, this will be interesting. And it turned out being something completely different than like what I typically read, which would be, you know, Brian will back me up, usually fairly violent type stuff. Yeah. And so um, I, I don't know what it was, but I really, um, I really enjoyed it. And then, you know, the story like kind of like evolves, you follow like how the character is able to realize that this thing that society has deemed a weakness, he's actually able to make it into a strength and become famous because of it. And then when he starts finding happiness again, then he starts like things start drastically changing. Like he starts losing that ability. And so he's like, it's almost like an kind of like what we've been talking about this whole podcast of like, you realize that until you start being creative and you find happiness, that's like really what matters. Like the other stuff is just kind of exterior noise. And that was the whole purpose of the book is like, it, it kind of poked fun of like how ridiculous, like what we view, or I should say the established social norms are. Yeah. It, it was really great. I really enjoyed it. Like it kind of, I, I know it kind of sounds a little hoity toity, uh, but uh, no, it sounds great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, when did it come out? Uh, I, I think it's an older book, but I don't think it came. I was looking for a date on it. Um, let's see. It, it was released here uh, in 2021. So it wasn't uh, released in English until uh, now, but I think it's a few years old. I want to say, cause I've seen it floating around in like French and I think Italian um, for, I don't know, probably a couple of years. I just didn't buy it. Cause it's like, you know how European imports are, they're usually really expensive. And I, I'm always one of those guys. I like to buy all my books secondhand just to kind of give these old discarded gloves a second home, you know, uh, you know, like an old stray dog, you know, that, or I'm just cheap. I think it's yeah, just cheap. I know. Oh, I feel like I, I'm getting priced I, in the past few years. I mean, I go into the comic shop and I'm like, I want to read these. I don't, I just can't afford them. <laughs> I yeah. draw comics. I can't afford them. Pay for comics. Yeah. yeah. It was awesome when Excalibur had their 50% off back issues. I would go in and stock up. Oh, yeah. 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 They do a, um, they do a back issue sale here. There's one big shop here in Anchorage and um, they do it during the summers. It's cool. It goes for a whole month. So the first week, it's like, I think it's like 50% off all the back issues. Then the second week, they drop it down to like, 35 so by the last week in the month um i think it's like everything's like i don't know like a dollar or two dollars like you know and there's like graphic novels falling but like you can get like floppy comics like you know like monthlies you can get them for like cents on the dollar it's great and sometimes they've got stuff in there that's like oh here's the last six months of what marvel's been putting out you know and they've just got hundreds and hundreds yeah. of comics. yeah so you can always find like I've, I've always find like weird off the wall stuff. Uh, I, I meant to ask Stephen, do you, are, are you, since, since now you've, you've come over into the, the comic arena, uh, have you yeah. been reading a lot of graphic novels or comics or anything like that? Not, not too much. Just, not too much. Uh, just, just a little bit. I've kind of been in a way I'm like, I'm not going to like go hard now. Maybe it'll bias me. Maybe after this one, after I've, finally put the finishing touch on this i'll dive more sure. in but i yeah. kind of like being more innocent right now but but mostly uh the you know afro samurai and uh frank miller stuff yeah um love and rockets some, some stuff aaron has tipped me into i've i've read into for references um but not yeah not i went to his house uh 
when was that last summer last summer i think yeah yeah and i left him some comics so, yeah nice. uh, jack kirby some love and rockets yep. flies on the ceiling uh that's, that's yeah. great stuff too because like even whether you like the content or not like fundamentally it's like it's it's great examples of like some of the best storytelling you can even see. Yeah. You know? Like especially 11 rockets. rockets. Yeah. 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 Especially 11 rockets. Yeah. That, that really helps me understand, okay, this is how you, you tell a story, you know? Yeah. Cause it's like 11 rockets. Isn't like, like it's mostly just like slice of life kind of stuff. You have a lot yeah. of like human interaction and like, you know, that's in my opinion, I think that's like some of the more difficult things to do. Like, Oh, how do we have, we have a group of eight people having a conversation on the page. Yeah. Like how do you structure that? You know, like how do you balance that? Yeah. It's very difficult. Yeah. That's cool. Um, that's, oh man, that's great. Uh, now, uh, we are, I don't know where the hell Brian went. Brian just disappeared on us. Everybody. Uh, Brian, yeah. he went to get some Cheetos. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> he is the Cheeto fingers. He, he's not even going to, he's not even going to know this for like a whole nother day. Cause he's gone. Uh, that we're just, just ripping them. But um, okay, so we're kind of towards the end of the show. So I, I guess just lay it on uh, the Tiger Cubs. Let them know, like, let, let tell them about Ancient Futures real quick, like where they can find yeah. info, where they can do last minute orders, if there's a website, all that stuff. Yep. Uh, just let me know when is the podcast coming out? You think? Uh, well, today's Sunday, so probably tomorrow. We're gonna get this out okay. sometime tomorrow. Well, um, yeah. So so check out Ancient Futures. Um, best place to be to go on Instagram ancientfutures.by7 b-y-s-e-v-e-n spelled out um you can also there you can uh, find the link to the kickstarter um you may be uh, may have just one day left to to check that out but that's no big deal because we're going to be uh starting to uh you know launch the sales of the novel within with, within the next couple of months so we'll, we'll, we'll have pre-orders and that kind of stuff awesome. Um, awesome aaron aaron what else do we have for for that connection you want to give your instagram or, or if i'm forgetting anything uh yeah that's the main one i i think we're both listed at the top of that yeah so you yeah. can find our instagrams i'm i'm a m c c underscore art um i'm also on i also have a Facebook page, Aaron MCC, and I have a website, A-A-M-C-C-O-N-N-E-L-L.com. Okay. <laughs> you practice that one. I like that. <laughs> well, in the show notes, we'll put links to the um, to the Instagram and the, yeah. the Kickstarter with some uh, yeah, just wanna, some yeah, so uh, yeah, we're really super excited about this project launching. The Kickstarter has been successful. We got the we got it, the project we love. We got funded by the uh, Creative Skull um, uh, organization, which was cool. And uh, yeah, so just really excited and love that you guys like had some energy for it. So thank you so much for for having Ooh. us on. Uh, we we really appreciate it. Yeah, no, thanks for coming on. This was awesome. I know it was kind of hard to coordinate with just the craziness of life, but yeah, we got here. We made it happen. We all got here. That's right. That's right. And best to my grandmother. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Yeah. Shout out to, Shout out. to Grandma Bales. There we go. All right. You want me to uh, take us home? Take us home, big man. All right, Tiger Cubs. All right. You know, uh, you know what's going on right now. If you want information. If you want access to everything Blue Tiger Revenge related, all you got to do is uh, 
Go hit up our Substack, bluetigerrevenge.substack.com. It's the home of Blue Tiger Revenge. It's the home of Operation Blue, which uh, I've heard through the grapevine. Uh, we're, we're, we're getting close to some new pages coming out. Uh, yeah, he, he, he Tad put his fingers out saying it's it, they're coming. They're coming. So Almost uh, there. Almost there. So stay stay tuned. Stay tuned on that. It's coming. Uh, I promise you all it's going to be worth the wait. Uh, if you want to uh, hit us up, send us a message, Blue Tiger Revenge at substack.com. If you want to get some cool swag, some cool Blue Tiger swag, uh, we've got a new design up right now on our TeePublic. Uh, TeePublic.com, type in Blue Tiger Podcast. Our new revenge design is out, um, and you can get it on shirts, sweatshirts, coffee mugs, whatever the hell you want. Uh, we we make it happen. So, uh, and then, uh, yeah, if you get something, uh, tag us on social media, um, Blue Tiger Revenge on uh, all of your uh, all of your spots. And uh, that is all I have, Tad. Do you have anything else? I do. Weirdly enough, I do actually. Oh, wow. uh, this uh, April first, if you're going to be in the Anaheim area attending. WonderCon swing by the uh, publisher's table, Critical Entertainment. They will have chapter two, volume two of The First Americans ready to go. So get it before everybody else tries to get it. I don't know. Um, After that, that's it. These uh, the teats are dry. My friend, the tiger is out of milk. If that's the case, what time is it? Yeah, the music. (laughs) 